welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. It's about that time of year where uh, I start looking at the final couple weeks of the year, and I'm trying to figure out how the year is going to close out, if uh, the rest of the year will be the best of my year, and if I'm going to hit all my goals. And if you don't know this about me, I'm a goal setter, and uh, I'm looking at like, okay, I said I'd read this many books, and I've read about 30. I have 12 books in process, and I think I can get all those done, and maybe three more to about 45. So I'm doing that. Um, I, I set a goal to read 100 of the old school sermons, and uh, I'm at 90, and so I've got 10 left. I think that's no problem. I'll do that. Um, Beck and I looked at our Kingdom Builder goal. We said, with three more pay periods, we're going to hit our goal this year, and we're excited about it. But that's what I do. I start to look at how will it close out? How will this year close out? And then I want to let you know that in a couple of weeks, I will transition completely over to 2015. It'll still be 2014, but I will transition and I will start setting goals. I will start, matter of fact, I've been adding them to the list. I've got a whole file of things that I'm praying about for next year and goals, but it just transitioned. It's like, all right, now we're looking forward. And I want to let you know that as I was looking at the year and kind of saying, all right, we're closing this out. How did we do? And uh, how are things going with all the goals for the church, for my life, for our family? All of a sudden, I, I realized that at the beginning of the year, we started a series called Perfect Work. How many remember the series we did, Perfect Work, beginning of the year? Okay. Uh, we did a, a series there where we did it actually as a whole church together. We, we did it together as an interactive thing where we had the weekend services and then the life groups that were partnered with that. And we're going to do the same thing again in 2015. New series. Uh, the series and the, the theme for next year is going to be greater. And we're going to believe that it's going to be a greater year for us. But this year, our theme was maturity, that we wanted to mature. And so we said, we're going to let Christ do his perfect work in us, that we're going to mature and we're going to add to these virtues or we're going to keep moving forward. And, and this is going to be our theme. We're going to just make sure that God moves us in maturity. And we read the verse, James 1, 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And in that series, um, I actually did a sermon where I had four chairs. Okay, by a show of hands. How do you remember the four chair sermon? Come on, raise your hand. All right. So we did the four chair sermon and we uh, enjoyed it. We had the infant, the toddler, we had the young adult, and then the mature follower of Christ. And I was like, you need to move from this one to this one to this one. And uh, we talked about the challenges that they face um, you know, how, what happens when they read the Bible, what happens with money, what happens with their language and uh, suffering and sin. And we said all this stuff. And so I was just moving people forward. Well, as I'm kind of recapping the year, I just realized, all right, how did we do? 
How did we do with maturity? I mean, did we move people from not knowing Christ to being infants? Did we move people from infants to toddlers, toddlers to young adults? Did we move people along in the process? And as I was praying about it and focused on it, I felt that I just wanted to do a refresher here and take two weeks in this. So this week and next week, and this week we're gonna look at chairs one and two. We're gonna look at people that are spiritual infants and people that are spiritual toddlers, and then next week will be young adults and the mature. Now, if you're a young young adult or mature and you're like, oh, this isn't for me, yes, it is, okay? Because the infants and the toddlers need you to be pouring into them. They need you to be taking care of them, so don't check out. You should have your eyes on who are the infants and who are the toddlers, So as we look at this, I remember we used Hebrews chapter 5, and it was a scripture about maturing, and I want to read this for you. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. The writer of Hebrews is frustrated because people are not moving forward in the progression. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So this is a work in progress. We're going to see if you're moving along, and we're hoping that instead of being frustrated like the writer of Hebrews, that as you look at your life, you're saying, I am moving forward. I am making progress. The church is moving forward, and we are fulfilling this. We're moving forward into maturity. So the first person I want to talk about is the infant uh, person there. You're the infant, and you're spiritually new in the faith. Now, I've got some exciting news for you, but it also challenges me. River Valley uh, gives many times an altar call at the end of the service. What does that mean? From the altar area, we're saying, do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? Do you want to have a personal faith relationship with him? We know that there could be about 20% of our church on any given weekend that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We expect a lot of visitors and people that are exploring the faith. And so we'll give an opportunity. Well, I want you to know already this year, over 3,000 people have said, yes, I want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that's pretty amazing. Let's clap at all of our campuses. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing to me. I love that we give that personal invitation. Now, here's the part that bothers me, okay? We only grew by 1,000, okay? So either we had a bunch of people that were in church that finally got saved, which is great, or people gave their life to Jesus Christ and some slipped away, which is not great, or there was a blend of it. People were here and lived somewhere else or found a church closer or whatever the case may be. But I just want to make sure that when we're winning people to Christ, when we're moving them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, when we're helping them to become spiritual infants, that we're doing everything we can to help them to grow in their faith and stay in the faith. That's what I'm praying, that we'll continue to do that. And uh, I believe that a church like ours that is prepared for new people to find faith, God's like, that's where I'm sending them. I'm sending them to a church that is prepared to receive these people. And as a church, I challenge you, I said, every time somebody steps up in leadership, God can send us four more people. It just seems like every time we have somebody serve or greet or lead a life group or whatever, every time somebody steps up and says, I've moved into the mature chair, I've moved forward, God says, well, then I can fill the nursery again. 
And that's what happens. And so we saw people moving forward and, and these people found faith. And I love that God's like, okay, this is a great place for me to send big sinners and even bigger sinners. I like that. And that people found faith in Jesus Christ. Now, when they find faith in Jesus Christ and they get forgiven of their sins, uh, there's so many things that are happening in their life. And we're gonna walk through that. In 1 Peter chapter one, and as I read this this week, I felt like Peter was talking to these groups going through the chairs. Obviously, it was on my mind. But in 1 Peter chapter one, verses three and four, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope. See, that's that new infant's new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It talks about us being brought into the family of God. Matter of fact, Ephesians talks about us being adopted into the family. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. You become a spiritual infant in the family. And God's like, welcome to the family. And the one thing that I absolutely love about all the new people finding faith in Jesus Christ is they start to discover all the things that are theirs. They're like, wow, forgiveness is mine. I didn't know I could be forgiven. And they're like, love is mine. Peace is mine. Wow, I didn't know these things were there for me. And they start adding all these. They just start realizing who they are in Christ and what Christ gives them. And they realize that their past doesn't hold them anymore, that they're forgiven. And they keep adding all these things. And I absolutely love it. Uh, it's so exciting to watch this take place. And it's almost like, uh, just like if you can imagine a, a, a physical baby, a newborn baby. All of a sudden, a newborn baby starts to realize like, hey, that guy with the deep voice talking to me, I think he's my dad, you know? And all of a sudden, that baby starts realizing, that lady that takes care of me so nice, I think she's my mom. That guy over there that looks a little older than me, I will dominate him someday. Okay, you know, that's just going through the mind, and I wonder what babies are thinking. And that little furry creature running around, I'm not sure who's related to that thing. And, and you know, they're thinking, but they start realizing, hey, this is my family. This is my dad. This is my dad. This is my mom. This, this, I've got a family. Hey, this is my chair. I got a chair. This is my car seat, and I hate it. And, you know, they just, all those things, they just start discovering, and they start learning what's theirs. This is my blanket. This brings me, okay, if you can imagine, it's just like that. It's just like that, and all these people in our church are discovering, this is for me. This is, God has this for me, and I'm discovering this, and this is all part of it. I thank God for that. And I want to tell you, as you discover this, as the spiritual infants discover these things in their life, there's a couple of things you need to really grab hold of, and we want you to make it. That's why I'm sharing this with you. If you're a spiritual infant, we, we have several things that we talk about. They're components of our church. We talk about we want you to be inspired. We want you to be connected. We want you to uh, be a world changer, and we want you to be devoted. Now, I want to let you know, for spiritual infants, it's be inspired and be connected. The other things will come in time, but the first thing we want you to do is to be inspired and be connected. And the first thing with be inspired is that we want you to be inspired by staying faithful to weekend services. 
When you get together with other believers, like what we're doing this weekend, and you're together, you learn things when you're around the family of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you're going to discover all the things that God has for you, you need to stay connected and you'll start learning things. Have you ever noticed that children start learning things by being in the family? They don't know exactly how it is, but they start watching and they're like, well, they take that thing and they put it in their mouth and they, you know, they miss or they see. How many know if you have an iPad or an iPhone and you have a five-month-old or older, it's gone, right? You know, they take that thing and they swipe and they learn how to, they watch you. How many know that you could teach a kid, touchdown Vikings, and then pray that we score a touchdown? How many know you could teach them? they just like, oh, they just do whatever you do. How many know in church, you just, you do that, and you start getting around people, and they start learning. They watch, and they learn. You know, children are like little velociraptors in Jurassic Park. How many remember that movie? You know, the people open the door, and all of a sudden, that Jurassic Park, that velociraptor's like, you know, and it's attacking them, you know. That's what kids are thinking. They're thinking, I'll take over this family. Okay, but they're learning, okay? That's what's happening. And so you need to be around the church. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, they're raising their hands. Okay, can I do that? I can do that. Some people are like, why are you I don't know, they're just raising their hand. I'm doing the, you know. And then you understand why you're doing it. But you learn how to pray. You learn how to uh, worship. You learn these things by being around them. And I just want to say to you, be inspired. Stay faithful to the local church. And if I would say this, don't ever become the average American Christian. Don't ever do it. Because the average American Christian now is only going to church one out of every three weekends. Okay? It, it, that's unacceptable. One out of everything. It's kind of, yeah, you know, I got things, busy, that. We'll get there when we get there. You know, that's how come a church can be 200 every day. And then all of a sudden on Easter, there are 800 to 1,000 because everybody shows up on the one day. It's kind of like rotating church. Don't do that. You need to be involved. You need to be around. You need to be there as, as often as you possibly can. I, I, I think about new Christians, new infant Christians. You know, sometimes I'll see them at Every service on the weekend, every service, I'm like, hey, were you, were you here at Saturday night? And they're like, yeah, it's good. I'm back. You know, I'm like, we're preaching the same thing today. I know it's good. You know, I'm like, it's video. I mean, it didn't change. You know, it's the same thing, you know, but they're like, I know, but I'm just so excited and I'm taking it in and I'm, don't lose the hunger. Don't lose the hunger. I thank God that you come five times on a weekend, but don't let it all of a sudden be once every five weeks. Don't slip. Don't do that. I love what Pastor Brian Houston said. He said, the more optional church becomes to you, the less impact it can have on you. It's not optional. It's not optional. We want you to be inspired. And the world is so hard. And then you come into this place and you come around the family and you, you learn and you get encouraged and it's uplifting and it's faith building. It's just, that's who we are. And so you come together with these people and we're pulling for you. Another component for the spiritual infant is to be connected. You need to be inspired and you need to be connected. What does that mean? It means being a life group. I'm telling you this, you don't do your faith alone. You need to be in a life group. It's so important. Titus chapter two really is 
talking about this. He's saying, teach the old men this. Have the old men teach the young men this. Teach the old ladies this. Have them teach the young ladies this. It's about mature people in chairs three and four teaching those people in chairs one and two and saying, hey, we're going to make it. You're going to be able to be there. And your, your stories, your testimonies, when you're in chair three and four and you're sharing with the young infant, those stories are like bedtime stories. How many know that when you have a little child, you start reading them the stories and it starts with the little rubber books that they can chew on and, you know, there's like one word and a picture and you flip it over and you point and they, they just take it in. And some of your testimonies, you think they're so simple, but your testimony is what helps strengthen them because they need to be connected. And matter of fact, we need a whole bunch of people to step up that are mature believers that will say, I'll lead a life group. I will help the infants. My stories have value for them, and I'm gonna do this. New believers need to get in the life group. Grab it, get online, get into it. Matter of fact, if you know somebody that's a new believer and they're not in a life group, bring them to your life group. Get them in your life group. Where you're like, well, we, we, I'm in a knitting life group. I mean, you know, we'll bring them there, I don't care. Teach them how to knit. I don't, the stories will be worth it, you know? And if they ever are Armageddon with a thing of yarn and knitting needles, they'll make a blanket or something. I don't know, but just get them there, all right? Get them there and let them be around you. It's something about this. We need this to happen. And you need to be inspired and you need to be connected because here's what you keep discovering. This is all mine. The family of God is mine. The blessings of God are mine. All these wonderful, it's, it's for me, and I get to grow in this. It's an amazing thing that happens. Yes. Now, the next group that comes after that is the toddlers, because after you start discovering all the things that are yours, all of a sudden you start discovering, this is mine and this is mine, and this is so great. How many know that when you become a spiritual toddler, now God wants to show you all the things that are not yours? That's not yours anymore. No, that's not yours. You thought that was yours. That's not yours. You're not going to have that. And again, going back to 1 Peter, because again, I read it with this in mind. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 16, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. See, you were just a baby. Now you live in ignorance. He says, but just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And then in, in 2 Peter 1 through 3, he says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you're doing this, you're inspired, you're staying connected, and as you are connected, here's what's gonna happen. God is going to start regenerating you. He's adopted you into his family, and he said, as an infant, you gotta understand who you are. You are now in the family. And then as you start to grow, he starts to say, now that you're in the family, here's how the family acts. Here's what the family does and doesn't do, and it's called regeneration. He starts to form you into his image. He's like, I want you to look like God because the more you look like God, the more people outside the family enjoy our family and our family has the answers. So he starts saying, this is not gonna happen. We're not gonna do this anymore. I'm gonna put some godliness in you and I'm gonna take this out of you. He says, there's no more lying. There's no more stealing. There's no more other things. There's all these slander. He said, we don't do that. Not in this family. We're going to do the right thing. And how many know that when you're going through that, 
and God starts to discipline you, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. You really like the adding, the adding, the my, the my, the my, and now all of a sudden God starts saying, no, I'm gonna form you and I'm gonna take these things away from you. We're not doing this. And this discipline that happens over and over and over again is there for your benefit. In Hebrews chapter 12, I wanna read this for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, four, I'll start there. In your struggle against sin, in your struggle against sin, you're in this toddler stage you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood and, you have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. And he's saying, you know what? I, I'm, I'm disciplining you. I'm taking care of you. I'm changing you and I'm forming you into my image. And that's what's gonna happen. And there's gonna be a discipline and it doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good. But guess what? It's for your own good. We're gonna take these things out of your life. And he, so you think, he says, I'm going to take this out of you. I'm trying to form you into my image. And I can remember um, when I was disciplining our kids, I kept thinking, I'm trying to discipline you. I'm trying to form you into the image that is good. And how many heard that line like, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And, you know, oh, and, and, and honestly, as a parent, you don't want to discipline. You're just like, but we need to do this. We've got to discipline. And I can remember you know, tell the kids, I, I said, I'm disciplining you so that you'll be formed in the image of God. I'm disciplining you so you'll be a good kid when you get older. And I can remember one time Logan disobeyed and he was in a timeout and he kept leaving the timeout. He kept, he was our strong-willed child, by the way. And he kept leaving the timeout and leaving the timeout. So I went and got a chair and kind of held him in the timeout. And I said, you're not leaving the time out. You got to know what you did is wrong. And finally, he, his spirit broke and he turned around and he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm trying to form you into the image that you need to be. This is the phase that you're in right now and you've got to learn what we do and what we don't do so that you grow up to be the right person. So God's saying, I'm going to discipline you. And so he's, he's adding all these things, add this, add this, add this. And then over here, he's like, all right, now these things got to go. Nope, that's not our family. That, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't despise discipline. He says, don't despise the discipline. Well, how do we despise the discipline? You're all excited about all the things that are added to you, and all of a sudden you're walking in the ways of the Lord, and you're there, and all of a sudden God says, you're, I'm going to take that away from you. you. That's not the way a Christian walks. And you go, what? And he goes, no, you're not going to have that anymore. And then you leave and you go, can't believe he's taking away my unsaved girlfriend. Mirroring away, and you're like, I can't believe he's doing that. How many of you are despising the discipline? You're like, God's like, no, you're not going to do that anymore. You used to get drunk. Now you're not going to get drunk. Christians, we don't get drunk. And you're like, I can't believe you want me to get drunk. Can't believe mermaid. Huh? Does, that doesn't sound familiar. Apple Valley Campus didn't need this, just in case you're wondering. All right. Uh, <laughs> forgiveness. He says, forgive your, no, we're not going to hold grudges. We're not going to hate our enemies. We're going to forgive them. I can't believe he hit me first. You know, I can't believe it. I mean, how many know that if you don't get past that, God, you're stuck. You're stuck. And God's like, we're going to take that away from you. We're going to live differently. And I need you to work with me. How many know that if you refuse to change, if you refuse to change, God's like, no, don't do that. 
you need to submit, you need to change, and this will be better for you. So what do you need? Again, you need to be inspired, but you need to be connected because people in your life group will help you as you go through this. They'll be able to say, you know what? What's going on in you is normal. It's normal. It goes, you know what? There's things that God is going to take away from your life that are, are going to form you into his image, and it's normal, and it does hurt some. But you know what? It works a greater good. And I'm telling you, what God has in store for you is so much better. Let him take away the things that don't matter and the things that actually lead to destruction. Paul says, you know, or the writer of Hebrews, and I'm assuming it's Paul, but the writer of Hebrews says, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart. One says, don't faint. Well, here's what happens. How many know that when God says, you can't have that, some people say, well, I'm not going to try not going to try. If that's what God wants, I'm, I just, I'll just sit here and just stay stuck. Don't do that. He says, don't faint. Don't lose heart. God's disciplining you and forming you. Don't throw a temper tantrum. Some people will walk away. They're like, okay, if this is what happens when you follow Jesus, if this is what happens, and, and he starts forming you, and he expects you to forgive your enemies, and he starts asking these things of you, then I'm out, and you know, then I walk away. How many know you can start doubting if God even cares for you? Like, I don't even think he cares. How many know you can start believing the lie? Like, this thing will never end, and I'm never going to get through that. And all of a sudden, you're in community, and you're connected, and then God's like, you know what? I can bring you through this. I can bring These people will encourage you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And it's so vital for you if you are a toddler spiritual toddler, to have a mentor, to have a life group, to have people in your life that can form you and help you to understand. That's not unusual. And then they'll tell you their story. Hey, this is what God did with me. And I'm telling you, it worked out amazing. This is what God did, and he brought me to the next step and the next step, because that's Hebrews 12, 11 says. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. It's saying, guess what? There's going to be a harvest of righteousness if you keep doing these things and letting God train you and form you into his image. So I'm just praying that our church will continue to welcome people in and say, welcome. We'd love for you to be a spiritual infant. Infants, don't stay there. Keep moving forward. And when the Holy Spirit slaps your hand, agree with what the Holy Spirit's doing and move along with that correction. And then add the new things that you need. Get new habits. Get rid of the old habits and get ready to move into the next phase and say, God, whatever's next, Lord, I receive it. Whatever's next, whatever's next. Here's the thing. Our nursery next year will be full again. I don't see it easing up at all. I think we need people moving from infant to toddler, toddler to young adult, young adult to mature because I see just continued salvations. That's not going to change. There's going to be more people coming to faith and more campuses and more expansion and more things going on. And so if we're going to do this, each group needs to keep moving forward and so that we can bring forth a great harvest of righteousness and saying, God, use us to reach the next person that needs to come into your kingdom. How are we doing? Are we maturing? Are we really moving forward? Have we stalled out? Let's not stall out. Let's keep moving forward in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to move forward in your name. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that oh, the church is continuing to see thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we want to retain more of that. We want to see them stay in the family of God. We know that some may have gone to other churches, and we rejoice in that. We're just part of the kingdom of God. 
we'd be deeply saddened by those people that made a decision and then just fell by the wayside. God, help us to be ready to welcome spiritual infants into the body and help them to grow. And as they discover all the blessings that are theirs, may they just rejoice in that. But as they move forward to toddlers, Lord, I just pray over them. May they give up the things that you're asking them to give up. As you say, selfishness has to die. Immorality has to die. You need to be pure. You say, these things have got to go. God, I pray that we'd receive that and we'd let grace just change us and grace bring us to godliness. So I thank you for that. Lord, help our church to move forward. Help us, Lord, with lots of people that are mature, that can help lead and disciple and connect these people and move them forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that we'd mature and let you do your perfect work in us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.